Welcome to another episode of Emmy's Insight. It's your host, Emmy, and this will be the second episode of the podcast. Before I jump into it, I wanted to say thank you so much for the amazing feedback on the first episode. I've been getting so many messages and DMs about when the next one's going to be and what other episodes I'm going to do. And I was so overwhelmed because I was really not expecting it to get honestly this this is making it sound like it got lots of attention it really didn't but I wasn't expecting it to get even a little bit of love I guess or support not that I doubt anybody I just I guess doubted myself but I thought YOLO I'll just do it anyway but anyway so I hadn't really prepared for the next episode and I started to get a bit overwhelmed because I was like oh my gosh I really need to start thinking of ideas and trying to manage my time because I feel like I'm starting to spread myself thin with all of the things in my life. It's getting very busy, but I definitely want to make time for this podcast because I do love it. And even though I've just begun, I'm so excited for it. So thank you so much. In terms of how often I'm going to be uploading podcasts, I'm not too sure because I don't want to set myself up to get stressed or anything and put myself under too much pressure. But I am just going to aim to get I did put myself a goal, I think, of 22 podcasts for this year as a minimum. So we'll see how that goes. Before I jump into the content of this episode, one last thing. (laughs) I'm really sick. I don't think you can hear it in my voice because it has gotten a lot better today. But yesterday I wanted to record this. um, The day before yesterday, actually, I just got back from my little Byron trip with two of my friends And towards the end of the trip, I just got very sick. Um, And then yesterday, I could not speak. So today, I'm finally recording another episode. I've also been at home all day on isolation, waiting for my COVID test that I had yesterday. So a little bit anxious about that. But anyway, today I'm going to be doing an episode all about my experience with mental health in sport, dealing with an eating disorder and I wanted to call this episode Running Hungry. And I'm going to talk about the really dangerous impact of running hungry basically the impact of disordered eating and under fueling yourself the impact physically and mentally for yourself in terms of just general health and well-being and also in terms of your sport how you're going to be affected as an athlete and how that's going to impact your body in that sense so I'm going to be going into red s which stands for relative energy deficiency in sport. I'm also going to be talking about amenorrhea as a metabolic injury in female athletes, which is actually the title of an essay I wrote last semester for uni. So we got to pick any topic we wanted to write about. So I did get quite a bit of a look into um, more research papers done on amenorrhea in female athletes and the impact of that, as well as kind of the influence of society on that so not just the physical impact for females but also the pressure in sport or the pressure that people or females feel to look a certain way Um, I'm also going to be going into my own personal background with myself my own experience with amenorrhea and an eating disorder that's just another that's a story in itself but so I'll be going into the cons about losing weight the cons about being too lean and I really want to make this inspirational and positive because I know a lot of my listeners are people who themselves might be in a place where they they might not be in a great relationship with their body or they might be underweight themselves or struggle with disordered eating so I want to try and make this 
encouraging and positive and talk about why gaining weight will be beautiful for all of us. Obviously, this does not apply to everybody. You have to always remember that everybody is so different. So obviously, if you're a healthy weight or you're overweight, then gaining weight isn't something that you should come to terms with or embrace as beautiful because it might be the opposite for you and it might not be improving your health for you to do that. But if you know that you're underweight or not at a healthy weight for you, then this is to encourage you in that sense. Okay, so... In terms of the topic of eating disorders, um, my own experience in sport, I think this applies to this generation and any generation that's grown up in such a competitive and comparative society and world, for example, growing up on social media. I think the idea of having a bad relationship with body image, with yourself or with food is very common. So please don't think you have to apply everything I'm saying to sport at all. I think this is very relevant outside of sport as well. So I definitely want to make multiple episodes on this topic. And to be honest, I really wanted to start making episodes for a few weeks, but I have been putting it off because I just didn't know how to start and I felt like I had to make it perfect. But like with anything, you can't. Like people want to wait till everything's perfect before they start a YouTube channel, but wait till they have a thousand subscribers. It's like, that's not how it works. You have to start from somewhere. So I'm sorry if this isn't perfect and if I miss things and make mistakes but I'll make more episodes in the future and I just felt like I just had to start so here we go. Okay so I'm just getting up my own essay notes up from the essay that I'm talking about amenorrhea as a metabolic injury in female athletes. If you guys would like to see this essay (laughs) it's not that great however the information and references in it I think are pretty decent. I am happy to share this essay. So I have referenced quite a few papers. I did research papers um, to find out information about this. So they are all referenced in the essay. But basically, I'm just going to start by giving you guys a bit of a background on eating disorders in sport and also amenorrhea. So amenorrhea, I, I don't even know if I've said what amenorrhea is yet. Okay, wow, I'm so sorry if I haven't said what it is just yet. I will tell you right now because it is a bit of a strange word. And it's spelled, let me just tell you how it's spelled. It's A-M-E-N-O-R-R-H-E-A. It's, that yes, writing this essay was annoying because amenorrhea is so hard to spell. Okay, so amenorrhea basically means you don't have a period. So, sorry, I'm just drowning in sweat in my room right now. I'm literally dripping. Please just be the heat and not a temperature. I really don't want COVID. Anyway, sorry. Okay, amenorrhea is the lack of a menstrual cycle. The diagnosis for amenorrhea is having no cycle or period for more than 90 days. So about three months without a period would be considered amenorrhea. Oh, far out. I should. Sorry, I was just about to start including my own experience, but I need to add a trigger warning. I am going to be talking about disordered eating, mental health, body image, not having a period, in this podcast so please don't listen to this if those topics make you feel upset um, and if this could be triggering content to you however I will say I really do want this to be positive I want to make this something that might inspire you to get better or is helpful and a beautiful thing so that was the trigger warning okay continuing where I was so amenorrhea 
no period for more than 90 days or three months. I haven't had a period since 2017, which was when I was in year 12. And that was, well, it's 2021 now. So it's just over three years, which is, uh, I don't even know how to say it in words. It's really sad and just, it's just horrible. So you'll find out by the end of this podcast why you want a period because I know that there are some girls that would think, oh my gosh, no period, that means you're so skinny, I want that. You don't want that and neither do I. So I'll just define two other terms. So eumenorrhea, which is spelled E-U-M-E-N-O-R-R-H-E-A, is regular ovulation and a menstrual cycle every 28 to 35 days. So if you get a regular period, then that is eumenorrhea. So you're healthy and that's normal. And then there's oligomenorrhea and that means you have menstrual cycles which are over 35 days. So your periods are more than 35 days apart. Um, And this could be due to quite a few things um, such as like intense training, being at a low, lower body weight, maybe not adequate fueling your body. It can be hormonal, it could be genetic, but you still get a period. Oligomenorrhea isn't something to be as concerned about if you're super young as well because I know when I used to get a period it was not that regular and I think it does take a couple of months to years for your body to get used to that as well Um, and then we also have anovulation which just means no ovulation which would be a genetic condition or if you didn't have ovaries um, for example you had to get them removed if you had ovarian cancer but they're just a few terms I thought I would quickly fill you guys in on So in the past, the female athlete triad was the condition um, which was kind of used to describe this interrelationship that was seen in a lot of different female athletes and it had three different aspects to it including menstrual dysfunction, so that's our amenorrhea aspect as well as low energy availability with or without an eating disorder but most commonly with an eating disorder and decreased bone mineral density was the third aspect and these all related and linked to each other. So there are much more aspects of the female athlete triad which are common to it as well as those three aspects including things like disrupted hormone production, inadequate micronutrient and macronutrient intake, disturbed body temperature and like regulation of homeostasis in terms of thermoregulation as well as other processes obviously hormonal we mentioned having a low body weight and low body fat below what would be healthy for your body to function optimally so obviously you can see this kind of theme where basically our bodies can't cope with what you're doing to it so red s is the new updated version of the female athlete triad so red s is relative energy deficiency in sport and this was introduced by the international olympic committee in 2014 because they recognized that this condition did not just impact females being at a low body weight or eating in an energy deficit or having a low energy availability or being at a low body fat percent impacted males just as much as females and also led to impaired physiological functioning. We just obviously didn't see that loss of a period so it was less I guess identifiable but there are so many impacts on physiological functioning of energy deficiency and red S including 
those that we mentioned, menstrual function, bone health, as well as immunity, protein synthesis, cardiovascular health, metabolic rate, all of these things are negatively impacted by red S. So from the research I did for my essay, well, a lot of this is, I guess, obvious, but amenorrhea or these conditions were very evident in sports where there's a focus on aesthetics or sports where a low body fat and a lean physique is considered ideal, such as in gymnastics or running. Uh, from just saying that where there's a focus on aesthetics, you can kind of see why it's be- why it's so common in just general life because everyone's so caught up in aesthetics because of growing up on social media, which is all about aesthetics, you know. So that comparative and competitive world has... I think personally contributed to a huge spike in mental health conditions and eating disorders. Something that has, I guess, upset me really is the amount of messages I've had from people opening up to me about their eating disorder or telling me about how they realized they had a problem after, you know, maybe watching a video of mine or they it made them realize they wanted to get help, which that's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sad about them reaching out or wanting to get better that's amazing and I'm so glad that I could have helped them like that or that video could help them talk about it or want to get better or recognize that they need to get better because that's the steps to improving their life that bit that's that's the best bit of it that's what I wanted to do but the thing that really I guess upset me was that it was so common or it is so common and I do think it's from social media as well as many other factors because it is it is a complex and multifactorial condition so from some of these research papers amenorrhea was prevalent in more than half of elite runners or elite athletes in different sports and the overarching theme of the essay I wrote was that the detrimental health and performance consequences of a red s or amenorrhea or just low energy availability um indicate that it should be treated as a major metabolic injury because something I've experienced myself having had no period for so many years is the lack of concern from so many doctors I've seen so many GPs I've had so many different diagnoses or is it diagnoses they've said hypothalamic hypothalamic menorrhea depending on the mental state I had been in in the past. I had been diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, depression, anxiety, and some of them, especially the male doctors, not to be a stereotypical here because I am I know that there are great male doctors out there, but a few of the ones that I came across, they just, you know, they're like, oh, you just run a lot. Oh, you're just skinny. You know, like it's fine that you don't get a period. It's just because you run a lot. If you weren't running a lot, you'd get it. So it's, it's sweet. And it was just, you know concerning and at the time as like an 18 year old I was like oh yeah it's fine then it's sweet like doesn't really matter even though I'm like I know I'm in a bad place it's not actually going to be bad for my body because they said you know that it's it's not that bad I'm just going to be the one to say it it is bad I don't think that's okay so disordered eating and eating disorders plays a big role most of the time in the functional hypothalamic amenorrhea which is the proper term that you should use. And the condition is just so frequently underpinned by mental and social challenges due to pressures in sport or life in the 21st century. 
the prevalence of eating disorders among female athletes, and I'm sure males too, but it's much, much greater than the general population. A term I came across in one of the papers I researched was anorexia athletica. Um, and that was a big cause of amenorrhea. Okay, before I get into the physiological effects of eating disorders and being at a low weight or body fat percent, I'm going to talk about my own experience with my mental health, with an eating disorder and with body image. So get yourself comfortable. Okay, I am a very open person. So I'm someone who just, I like to share things with my family, with friends, with you guys, whoever's listening And I'm not uncomfortable with people knowing things about me. Sometimes I feel more uncomfortable if people don't know things about me than if they do. I don't know how to explain how I feel about that. But I just, I'm someone who likes to be open and share things. So here we go, I guess. Okay, in terms of mental health, it is something that runs in my family on my dad's side. A lot of my dad's many children have had some type of struggle with mental health. Obviously, mental health is something that is very new to being research it's not like it's been researched for hundreds of years but there is some evidence that genetics as well as your environment plays a very big role in if you will experience any mental health illness and we're very lucky that we live in such a progressive age because although I do say oh I think you know life these days is responsible for the increase in mental illness I don't want to completely blame it or be a negative Nancy sorry if your name's Nancy today is also so much better with dealing with mental health and promoting good mental health and it's so much more progressive and there are obviously pros and cons to everything but I think there are so much there is so much more positive things in life today than in the past than negative like the pros outweigh the cons by far and it's really great that We do live in such a progressive time where, you know, people recognize mental health as an illness and there are ways to get better. Like there's nothing wrong with going to a psychologist to work through an eating disorder or to work through depression. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you a crazy person. That doesn't make you weak. You know, it makes you human because everybody gets sick and there's nothing wrong with that. It does not mean anything bad at all. So... Um, we're very lucky to live in a time like that and while I'm on this topic um, as I've mentioned I've recently started seeing a sports dietitian towards the end of last year and something we talked about in our last meeting was really beautiful and she was saying to me how it's not you like because I mentioned something like I said I'm very aware of it all and she was like I can see you're very aware but I was saying how I know it's not my fault and I don't blame me but sometimes I just get so mad at myself sorry if I like randomly start to like cry it's fine I'm I'll be right (laughs) sometimes I get so mad at myself when I'm in such a bad place and I reflect and I'm like how am I still here after years like I thought you know when I was in the worst when I first started dealing with an eating disorder and I knew I had anorexia I knew I was in a bad place when I first just admitted it I thought, oh, by the time I'm like 19, 20, I'll be healthy again. I'll get a period. I'll be like, this will be behind me. I'll be running fast again. And then sometimes I'll just be like, holy shit. Remember when I thought that and now I'm literally 21 and I'm still not better. And I'm not saying that I'm not getting better. I'm definitely getting better. I always say that 
healing in whatever place or from whatever you're healing from is never linear it's never just going to go from bad to good it'll go up and maybe down a bit you take five steps forward and maybe three back you take six steps forward and maybe one back there's always ups and downs but it's always going up it's always traveling up and you just have to remind yourself that even when it goes down you're still further forward than when you started but anyway back to what I was saying so sometimes I, I said to her, sometimes I just get so mad at myself and I'm like, how are you still in this place? Like, it's all like, and I, I still don't think it's my fault, but I, I can't remember the wording I used, but I was like, it's literally like, you're so dumb. Just, just eat. All you have to do is eat. Like, what the hell? And she said, you can't blame yourself or talk to yourself like that because that voice that you have to fight in your head is not you. That's your, you know, that's your mental illness or that's, that's not you and she always uses the word chipping away so all the little things that we've been working on and getting better at it's she always says we're chipping away at that voice in your head that you have to fight at and eventually over time you'll just be so much stronger than it that it won't be so much of a fight or a struggle and it becomes normal so like an example is I I don't like to talk about this in case it triggers someone, but okay, before I had disordered eating, because I'm so active and all, and I'm, I've been an athlete for years, if I was to have like toast for a meal, for example, like toast for lunch, sometimes I would have avocado toast with some veggies on the side before training. That would be like a rando lunch I would make at school. I would always have three pieces. Like that was a standard serve for me and I was always thin I was always strong and that was enough food for me I had no idea what calories were all I knew was that it was healthy what I was eating and that I ate till I was full so I always would have like a whole grain rye brown toast with avocado put on some lemon pepper chili flakes and then whatever veggies were available in the house so yum but anyway when I was in the worst of my eating disorder I did not touch gluten or bread because um, I guess I just saw so many influences that were hashtag paleo. Even though I'm not gluten intolerant, gluten is a protein found in wheat and it's not bad for you. It can be quite healthy for you if you aren't obviously intolerant to it. Like some people genuinely are allergic. So in their case, being gluten-free would definitely be a good option. Um, And you know what the whole paleo yeah all I can say is that's another whole podcast episode in itself but anyway as I started to get better and not be afraid of foods that I used to eat that were healthy and like eat bread again I was still so restrictive like I would have half a piece and then one piece of bread and then when my dietitian was like if you have toast for lunch you have to have two pieces and I started doing that and then later and then a few weeks later when I went back and I said that's normal now she was she was like yeah that's the chipping away so chipping away when you first did that your brain was going crazy and you just do it anyway you fight that voice and you slowly chip away at it so you're chipping away at that voice in your head but anyway what I was trying to get at is it was beautiful to talk about how that's not you that that fear that you have that voice that you have that panic in your head that you have around food it's not you you don't want to feel like that. And she said, it's like you, if a diabetic was like, oh, my body's so stupid for not producing insulin. Like that's not their fault. And it's the same as when you have a mental illness. It's not your fault that 
you experience that because you don't want that. So mental health is something that has could potentially be in my family, very likely potentially. But for me growing up, I was really healthy mentally. I did have times where I'd have anxiety attacks or like a little bit of depression in high school, but I never had a real mental health illness until I just after I graduated. But throughout primary school, I always loved sport. I always wanted to do athletics. I remember asking all the time to do little athletics and my parents used to actually be super, super strict. Um, And I was never allowed to do little athletics. And one of the reasons was because all of my older siblings who were like literally 20 to 25 years older than me, they did it growing up and my dad was like, they just waited around in lines for like all night or all day. But I did end up starting little athletics in high school. So I was very late to the sport. Like I did athletics throughout through school, but outside of school, I started pretty late. Okay, bear with me, guys. I thought I was, I thought I was well enough to talk for a podcast, but after 30 minutes, my voice is, my throat, she's going, but we will soldier on. I won't go too much into sport growing up but basically I loved it did so many different sports I loved running that was something I was good at so I was never like a prodigy but I was good at it like I didn't train and I would make it to state for cross country when I say I didn't train though I did try to train like I would try and run the cross country course most days before school or like I would get my dad to take me to the park and tie me running like 3k or so kid me she tried so I loved athletics, I loved sport and I could do a whole podcast on this, on like my life story background. So let me know if you'd actually want that or be interested. Fast forward to when I started athletics in high school. So I started with my coach when I was 15. I basically started because I just started little A's like year eight or so, around year eight. And the year after I wanted to do like little athletics zone region state comps um so I asked my dad to enter for me because I was like I don't know how to do this and then my dad also didn't know how to do this and he entered me for New South Wales juniors which was basically New South Wales state championships for junior age athletes and you have to compete at that comp to then qualify for nationals so he accidentally entered me into that so I was like you know what YOLO (laughs) let's just do it anyway so I was entered for 400 and I wanted to enter for 200 meter hurdles because that's what we did at Little Athletics. It's now 300 meter hurdles because it recently was changed, but it was 200 hurdles when I did this. So I rock up and they're like, lol, it's 400 meter hurdles. And I was like, <laughs> lol. So I did it. First time ever doing 400 hurdles in my existence. And I ended up coming third and I made nationals. So that was my first nationals that I ended up competing at, which was 2015. So I was in year 10 and I was 15. And honestly, it was just the best feeling in the world. I love running and I loved racing and running a PB and competing and getting a medal and standing on the podium. And I just felt so euphoric and proud of myself. And it was just my happy place. And honestly, like finding sport was so great because I guess it was just at a time in school where everyone cares so much about being cool and partying and starting to drink and do drugs. And I was like, but I love sport. And it was a time where everyone stops their sport when they're that age. But I 
was finding my sport and for me I wasn't so worried about you know popularity at school or like socializing at school or trying to fit in because I was like I literally just don't care about this it's like I was I was just so invested in my sport that I had something that mattered more to me than social clamming or whatever (laughs) but anyway so I started with my coach in after that nationals when I was 15 and I've also met my best friends through training so the other girls who train with me I'm actually the oldest in my training squad so my friends are between like two to three years younger and we're all like best mates we've been so close for years now and there is just something else about the friends you make through training because you die together you go through so much together like the nerves of nationals the highs of amazing races like when someone in the squad wins nationals um, when your best friend wins nationals and then also the lows of terrible injuries of terrible races of messing up in national final and then all the fun experiences of like traveling to compete you go through a lot together also all the painful sessions the sessions where you are in pain together the sessions where somebody throws up you know (laughs) the friendships you make through the sport are amazing but yeah so I started when I was 15 with my coach and I just loved it and I really realized looking back that until I started with my coach I knew nothing about how to train properly when I first ran at nationals and I hadn't really had a coach I literally think my training was going to the park and just going for a run which that is no like ah so the training changed a lot and it was very small it started with like two to three days a week sorry about my voice And then by the next season, which was, it was less than a year later, by the end of that year, I started to make quite a lot of progress because I went from not really training properly to doing a little bit of training. And I started to, you know, run first sub, run my first like sub 6,400, sub 26,200, just start to really improve. And then the next year, 2016, was probably my best year in the sport because the year after that is when... I got injured. So 2016, I did two nationals, so Australian juniors in Perth and then Australian all schools in Canberra. And I also was lucky enough to compete at Oceana in Fiji for Australia, which was one of the best memories and comps of my life. I also met a lot of older athletes at that event and hearing about their own training, um, I really just learned so much about how other people train so I did start to increase my training after that because I talked to my coach I went home and I was like to her oh my gosh everyone trains so much more can I start to do more and she was like sure but just remember you're so young but yeah that was the start of me like learning about doing cross training and different circuits and stuff like that and I also learned a lot through different injuries just small injuries that I had and I'd learned to and I would learn to train with injuries like doing pool sessions doing bike sessions and stuff like that fast forward to 2017 this was the last year where I was healthy I was in year 12 this year I did nationals at the start of the year after being quite injured that summer like I did so much pool and bike that I don't even know how I was running like okay times like looking back I thought at the time I was like oh my god I did so badly around like a 58 400 like wow I should be running that's what I did a year ago like I wanted to be a second or two faster by now 
And looking back, I was just impatient and hard on myself. And I literally did two months of pool sessions before that. So that's pretty good coming off cross training. So 2017 after nationals is when I moved coaches. So at this time I had a boyfriend who I met at Australian All Schools and I ended up moving to his coach, not because I was super whipped, but because his coach was convincing. I don't want to go too much into the person because I don't want to talk badly about anybody but I will just say that it was an experience and it was quite a trigger for a lot that happened since and I do think a lot that happened there was a trigger for the mental health struggles that I've been through and definitely my eating disorder. So basically after four weeks with this coach I got a navicular stress fracture. I'm just going to do a complete different podcast on my injury because that's just another whole topic in itself. So when I got my stress fracture I thought it was the end of the world but after my initial like wow my life is over everything sucks I just you know I told myself look everything happens for a reason I have to be the one to choose the reason that this happened and I told myself whatever situations that happen to us it's up to our interpretation and how we respond and react to those situations to make them what they are they can build you up they can make you stronger and I told myself that this happened to teach me how to be stronger it happened to teach me pain it happened to teach me how to really appreciate and value being healthy and it happened because I'm going to be a great senior athlete and I need this to to show me what a real struggle is and how to deal with an injury and make me mentally stronger so I was in the middle of the HSC at this point so all I was doing at this point was studying and training and my social time was training because that's where I saw my best friends so it was really hard for me from going from training and seeing my best friends to doing this cross training alone every day I would either I would alternate I would either go to the gym after school and do one-legged stuff so I was on crutches and in a cast for four months I would either go to the gym and do like push-ups seated shoulder press lat pull downs heaps of core work and every other day I would go to the pool and do deep water running it was the middle of winter it was so cold I used to scull a liter of water right before I hopped in the pool so I could pee in the pool and warm myself up sorry if this is TMI but honestly nobody else was in that pool because it was the middle of winter it was freaking freezing there was literally not one soul in the pool also it's my local pool it's like I'm sorry I'm literally throwing myself under the bus right here but can I just say it's so chlorinated like it's so so chlorinated like like the chemicals definitely like eradicated me peeing in it straight away but anyway please don't kill me anybody um (laughs) don't hate on me whatever I needed to do it or I would have died of hypothermia so it was you know a survival mechanism but yeah so I would do that I did that for a while because my injury was pretty bad it got worse before it got better so when I first got the cast off after four months no sorry four weeks I was in so much pain still and I was like no something is wrong I got so many scans my gosh and sure as hell something was wrong it had completely fractured so they originally wanted me to get surgery and the coach that I was with which I'm not going into too much was like this injury is not even bad just get injections and train on it blah 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 just get the surgery we need to train already oh my gosh like looking back if I was my coach if I had an athlete who was 17 years old 
with this injury, I would have said, you're so young. We don't want to get surgery. You just want it to heal naturally. And even if you stopped your sport completely for a year or for two years, you're that young that it's okay in the long run if you really want this to be long-term and you want to be a senior athlete. But I was so young. I was 17. I was so easily, you know, influenced. Anyway, that's another story because I was influenced in so many ways by lots of comments by that person. But anyway, so I ended up getting put in another cast because the surgeon that I was sent to literally, bless his soul, was like, you're literally a kid. Let it heal naturally. You don't want surgery because then it's not going to be the same again. And even now I still have to deal with injury and like just managing it. But I was very lucky that eventually after a total of four months on crutches, it did heal. And then when I was coming back from that, it was coming back from that was really hard because when my cast came off, boy, if you saw what was under that, oh gosh, my, first of all, there was no muscle left, like my calf and I have calves. My calf was wasted away. It was literally just the bone. It looked like a malnourished child and the skin, it looked like a burns victim. The skin hadn't seen, it had been under this like tight cast for so long it was flaky it oh it was crusted and dusted let's just say and to put weight on that foot was so painful I had to relearn how to walk again and I had to begin with just gradually doing a little bit of walking each day doing a bit of walking with just one crutch then getting rid of the crutches so I went from a boot to one crutch to no crutches to just adding walking then jogging then running and it took a long time to get back to running properly straight up when I first got out of the cast I was still with this coach that I got injured with and he just wanted me to get straight back into running straight away and didn't recognize my pain like I remember one session just crying walking back between reps and an older me would have said I have to stop I'm in pain but I was just back then I was so I didn't want to come across as like I don't listen to orders or I I'm not strong enough because I am someone who can push through pain, but injury pain is different and it's not something that you should push through. And I remember this one session just crying between reps, walking back because I was too scared to say anything. And I thought, you know what? He's going to see me in so much pain and just say, look, just stop. But he didn't. He said, continue. And then at the end, when I was completely gone, he carried me back and said, go cry in the bathroom so no one sees you cry. And I literally just saw in my head, I don't care if people see me cry. Like I honestly, I'm not, I don't think that's a sign of weakness, but I do care that you literally think that. Anyway, at this time, I just, I couldn't run properly. And after what I've been through and all different injuries and the knowledge I have now, I've realized that now if I was in that situation, I would do what I could do. I would cross train. I would try and introduce running slowly, but I didn't know that at the time. I just thought I can't run. This is just horrible. It's been a year since I ran and competed because this was getting towards the end of 2017 um, when I was graduating high school. This was actually right after the HSE pretty much as it was ending. I just started to obsess over how lean and shredded I was because I was doing all this extra stuff. And as soon as I finished my exams, I would train two to three times a day because I was like, now I can just focus on training. And all I would do was go to the gym, go to the pool, get on the bike, try to run and It wasn't helpful for my own athleticism, my own fitness and speed and power and sport, 
but all I was doing was getting really shredded and lean. I also started to get very controlling over food. So I'd always been eating healthy since I started athletics back in year 10 and I enjoyed healthy food. I was a foodie. I loved it and I didn't eat junk food, but it wasn't because I was afraid of it. I just wanted to be as healthy as I could and fuel my body with amazing foods. But I ate so much. Not that that was bad. I shouldn't say, but I ate so much. I should say, and I ate so much. Like I would eat a burrito and then I wouldn't think I shouldn't eat another burrito. Not that I would eat another one, but I wouldn't think, oh, I shouldn't eat any more. If I wanted more food, I would eat more food. And I realized looking back that lots of little comments that that coach I was with at the time made did impact me. Like I'd never been asked to send everything I ate in a day to a person until I was with that coach. Like my previous coach didn't do that. And he did. And then he told me what to eat. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And it wasn't a drastic change because I was already eating so healthy. But there were some changes that started to influence me, like having a salad for lunch at school. I'd never had just a salad for lunch at school. Like I always had a roll or leftovers like rice and chicken and veggies. Yeah. So, and then just little comments, it were little stories he would tell me about other athletes and that were to do with food that I realized at the time I didn't think anything of but looking back I realized all like kind of sowed seeds in my head I'm not blaming this person at all it just it definitely just influenced me a little bit but it's not anybody's fault what happened so I did start to get abs like proper shredded and I started to get so controlling over food Um, and then after I graduated and I went onto YouTube for the first time in like a year because I was doing so much studying and I didn't watch a movie or a TV show for like a year. So I went onto YouTube and I was watching all these YouTubers, like health and fitness YouTubers. And I started to go on Instagram more and follow health and fitness influencers. And there was so much about paleo diets and like counting calories. And that is when I first started to count my calories and learn what calories were, started to, you know, follow these paleo gluten-free lettuce people (laughs) Um, negative influences not lettuce people sorry I remember the first day I started to try and count calories I was like I'm just curious like I don't want to actually count calories every day I just want to know how many I eat and how many are in these foods that I'm eating because I've been watching all these videos about like macros and calories honestly now I could do my own podcast on this which I plan on doing in a positive and educational way that is but yeah at the time when I didn't know this I was like I'm curious and the first day I got the app I just remember I remember this I just remember the amount of calories I had was so low and I was just scared to have enough and I instantly counted every single day from that day for like a year and every day I would be so afraid if it was I don't even want to say the number because it was so low for me and for my needs, but I would be so afraid to eat. And I suddenly started to get so afraid to eat without counting every calorie. I couldn't eat if I didn't know the exact grams of food. I would avoid having dinner with my family because I was so afraid to eat enough or to eat, not know what was in the food my mum was cooking, even though it was all healthy And I was so afraid to not be able to weigh to the gram on this kitchen scale my mum had what I was eating. But I would eat dinner after my family so I could weigh out how many grams of brown rice I was eating, how many grams of broccoli I was eating to make sure it wasn't too many calories. And I feel so sad for myself explaining now that I did that. So this is 2018 now and 
basically the year 2018, my first year out of school, I didn't go to uni straight away because I was like, I, I studied so goddamn much in year 12. It was honestly traumatic and I had so much stress over that, but I just could not go through that again. So I worked that year, just a part-time job to save up. I just wanted to save and train and it was such a bad year of my life because I was in such a bad place mentally. I was so depressed and in such a bad place with my eating disorder. It should have been so much fun being 18 years old and out of school. Now, if that was me now, if I was just working a part-time job, I would try and fill my free time with doing fun activities, seeing my friends, going and enjoying food and doing solid training sessions and getting stuff out of that because I was like, I just want a year to train and save. But all I did was run myself into the ground by starving myself and pushing myself to train multiple times a day and I got nothing out of that and it's not worth it being super shredded and lean people saying oh my god you have abs like it didn't matter and it doesn't matter because I was so upset and so not happy with my life I remember feeling so empty most days I remember I used to drive to training and I used to think I hope I get in a car crash but I don't want to die I used to think I hope I get in a car crash and I get in a coma and I wake up and everything's okay and it's not like this anymore and I think that I'm always a hopeful and optimistic person and I used to always have this hope that it will get better this is not life this is not it you know it's got to get better and even though that's so you know so sad and so I can't think of the right word but so what's that word that like Hamlet always uses anyway it's just so sad to think that at least the thought of me thinking I want to wake up in it to be better that's that was like that hope my parents they weren't too bad dealing with it because a few years earlier in high school my sister I don't want to go into her personal history but she had experienced anorexia herself so this is where I also think it is quite um, genetic but she had gone through that so my parents had seen it happen and they knew you know getting angry at the person wasn't the way to deal with it but at the same time my dad would get mad at me sometimes I remember one time after training it stormed and this was one of the lowest weights I was at it was so bad and I got home and I actually genuinely thought I could die of hypothermia because I was so cold and I was saturated and I remember I got home and I took off all my clothes I was in my crop top and undies and I just stood in front of the heater shaking And my dad saw me and I remember he got so angry at me and I knew, I just knew it was because he was, didn't know how to cope with seeing me looking like so emaciated, emaciated or however you pronounce it. Towards the end of, towards the middle of 2018, I finally went to see a nutritionist because my dad wanted to take me and look, I don't know how else to say this. She was a lovely woman, but she was not a good nutritionist. She was not a good dietitian, sorry. She was she wasn't helpful at all but there was one thing that she was really helpful with which was to tell me to stop counting my calories and I knew I had to do it but for some reason being told by this professional to do it really encouraged me to do it so it was hard but I just had to do it and I just reminded myself like I didn't used to count calories just listen to your goddamn body on top of that because I'd been counting calories for like a year I could I could very accurately estimate the amount of calories that I was eating but the fact the idea of just stopping counting them and not being so stressed to eat without counting was so helpful 
my coach, I mean, I went back to my first coach, my original coach after this experience with the male coach um, early 2018 and she was so helpful and one of the things she did was she said, I don't want you to come into training anymore until you are at least 50 kilos, which was a big step for me to get there because when I was competing and healthy in school, I was more than that and I was so much less than that that just getting there was is so important and so necessary and when I finally got there and started doing training again it was so good and I competed that season it wasn't great I just did 800s because I had no speed because I had no muscle and no strength and no weight on me but finally getting back to competing was a step however over the last few years since that I would go through these phases where I would be training again and because I was training again I would start to get quite lean again and because I was so used to not eating much for so long it was normal to me to not be eating as much as I used to and because I need to eat so much for my training for my activity level for my body and metabolism it was so scary to me to eat such an amount of food even though that's what I needed I would constantly like lose weight get super lean also get really caught up with being lean and defining myself on my abs and thinking I guess my self-worth defined so much on my abs and my being lean I felt like a lot of people saw me as this really lean person and I thought I'm not really anything without that which is not true at all I'm so much more than my body and I'm so much more than if I than my abs or if I have abs because that does not matter at all and I would just go through all these phases where I would be training, getting too lean and then getting in a bad place with that because I felt comfortable when I was lean like that Um, or I feel comfortable being lean and that's why I find it hard to gain weight and and then I would start to get sick and when I say sick I don't mean like ill illness or unwell sick I just mean I'd start to get so lethargic every day I'd be so flat I wouldn't get anything out of training I would start just I would do it be doing so badly at training and then I'd have to stop I'd be forced to stop I'd get extreme fatigue or I would just I just couldn't do it anymore and then I'd have to have a break and usually when I had a break it was just modified training just like less training less days of the week training and lighter training and then I would be eating more I would gain weight and then I would be able to train again and often fall back into bad ways so last year Early in the year, I had extreme fatigue and I had to stop. I even went to the hospital at one point because we thought there was something wrong with me because I could not stay awake. After a big sleep, I would wake up, have my breakfast and then I would pass out. Like I would, it wouldn't be fainting. I would just be like, I can't stay awake. I feel so fatigued. And I also felt so incredibly sad because I was like, why do I feel like this? I'm literally 20 years old. So I had to gain weight and... COVID happened and I was doing quite well I gained weight I was still I never got a period back like I was still always quite thin but that was the closest I got to getting a period I started to get signs of a period and I started to train so much better and then towards the end of last year I again fell into that pattern where I was getting lean again and I felt panicky to not being lean because I defined myself so much on how lean I was I hate to admit that I felt like this and I feel like this. I feel so ashamed to say it, but uh, this is something I've talked a lot about on my channel and I will make an f- entire podcast on this because I have gone over an hour and I was hoping to make this half an hour. But anyway, I started to see my dietitian towards the end of last year and that outside support was so necessary because half the time, 
that's a lie, pretty much all of the time, I know what I need to do to my body. I know that I need to give it more food and more rest. I know that I need to eat more and I need to gain weight. But it's doing it. That's another thing. Like it's so much easier said than done. And going to that outside support, seeing that health professional who I trusted and we really clicked and got along well and she was so lovely and caring and having her tell me what I needed to do, even if I already knew it, made me want to do it and made me do it. So I really encourage anyone to who experiences anything like this or who does have an eating disorder or who, you know, might struggle with body image, speak up and talk to someone that you trust or a professional. That would be great. Both would be ideal. But even a friend, a parent, opening up to someone and having somebody to talk to about it makes it so much better because then you're not alone and you're not stuck in your own head and getting better is so important for your own life because the cons of being in that place physically are so damaging so there is physiological impacts as well as mental as well as your sport your life and your happiness so for me sport wise I went from being pretty decent at my sport I was still very fresh to the sport but I would make finals at nationals for my age and I would get PBs and improve each year and I went from being a young healthy athlete that was a teenager to to being weak and slow the biggest thing was being slow my times I have still not run near my times because I've not been at a weight good enough for me and the reason I'm going I'm explaining these cons about being too lean or losing weight is because I want to I want to encourage people to not lose weight or to not want to get shredded or whatever it may be because obviously a lot of people in general are just worried about aesthetics they don't have a sport but I hope that this can be encouraging to myself and to anyone else that it's so much healthier to be in a healthy body rather than an aesthetic body. Aesthetic is also very relative. Some people find being shredded not attractive. So I guess we have to train our own minds to see our bodies in a healthy way as being more attractive than in an overly lean way as being attractive. But yeah, so sport wise, I went from my times dropped as in got way slower, not faster. I was just so much weaker and slower and lethargic. So that was the worst bit for me. The happiness wise, being in that place, I was not happy. And even like just the progress I've made since 2018, I get excited for things. Like I enjoy life. I can be excited to go out for food and not stressed and scared about it. I enjoy going out for food with friends and I enjoy spending the day with friends. I have fun at training. I'm not feeling like passing out or just trying to get through it. I enjoy it and I enjoy making these podcasts and making YouTube videos and reading books and spending time with my family and going swimming in the ocean and going for walks and traveling. Not that we've really had a chance to travel, but I did just get back from Byron, so I can say that, right? (laughs) But um, life is just more enjoyable when you're not so afraid of training all the time and eating and the food and and when you're fueling your body because your brain runs off glucose so when you don't have glucose and you don't have enough energy you will you know it's much more likely that you'll have depression or feel depressed so life is just so much better and mentally I'm in a much better place because 
I have noticed that if I've restricted or when you're malnourished, you're less rational. You have so many irrational thoughts, whether that be about food or your body or just whatever it may be. You find yourself experiencing so many more irrational fears and irrational thoughts. So life is just so much better when you it becomes about life and enjoying it and being in the moment and not about the food and the control. So I've honestly talked so much and I could keep going on for so long and I'm so sorry this went for so long I'm gonna have to make another podcast on this topic but to finish this podcast off I did want to just go through some of the physiological effects of um, amenorrhea or of being in an an extreme energy deficiency which I wrote about in my essay basically your body is in a survival mode when it's placed in a state of energy deficiency so when your energy output is greater than your input so that might mean you train so much that you still eat but because you're doing so much training you have such a high energy needs and you're not getting enough food that you burn more calories overall than you eat so that means you're in an energy deficit and when this happens non-essential metabolic processes are immobilized so that energy that's available can go towards essential life-sustaining functions so that means things like your period stop there's so many complications to this you have less ability to exert energy and you also have hindered recovery so your body tissues can't repair properly and you just break down and get sick so much more often your body systems will adjust um, leading to disruption of various hormonal metabolic and functional characteristics so long term there can be serious complications So hormonal disruption does cause menstrual abnormalities, as I have been talking about. Um, And what was found in one of the papers I looked at was that estrogen deficiency suggests that amenorrheic females or athletes have hormonal profiles similar to menopausal women. So when women are over 50 or whatever age they lose their period at and go through menopause as they age, the hormonal profile that they have after menopause is what an amenorrheic athlete's hormones may look like and with the onset of menopause this is followed by an increased risk of chronic diseases so obviously this is concurrent with the effects of aging but there's early stages of osteoporosis so bone and muscle tissue start to decline there's the earliest signs of cardiovascular disease as estrogen levels drop so it has been shown that functional hypothalamic amenorrhea may actually increase the risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Furthermore, the benefits of exercise for coronary artery disease, promoting the good cholesterol and lowering the bad, might actually be reversed by functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. This may also be related to the menopausal-like endogenous state. Endogenous just means like internal state. Another obvious implication of having men- of going through menopause and having no menstrual cycle is the prospect of being infertile. Um, so amenorrhea is also strongly associated with bone health issues and also just red S if this is in terms of males or sometimes females don't lose a period, but that doesn't mean you're at that doesn't mean that you're free from this risk. So there is a 4.5 times greater fracture rate um, than menstruating females. Um, And decreased bone mineral density has been demonstrated at multiple sites across the body in athletes with amenorrhea or suffering red S. So obviously decreased immune function is very typical in athletes due to the shutting down of non-essential functions to ensure survival. So that's just an overview of 
the physiological and health impacts of red S or being in an energy deficiency in sport. So it is very mental as well as physical and treatment is something that's complex and often both physiological and psychological interventions should be implemented because of the associated disordered eating and body dysmorphia, especially in athletes. So that was just a little bit of information that I included in my essay. And basically overall, I said that I think that this condition should be treated with much more seriousness and treated as a serious metabolic injury from my own experience with some doctors who you know, kind of disregarded it. And also from my own health experience, I just think it's so damaging and it shouldn't be something that's regarded as normal in female athletes because it can be life-changing and have long-term complications. So this was the first running hungry episode. I definitely have so much more to say on this topic. I feel like I just scratched the surface and I went over an hour and I really did feel a bit anxious to do this first topic because I knew I could only scratch the surface in one episode and I didn't want to leave on a note where I hadn't given enough information that was positive. So I'm very sorry if this had more of the impacts, the negative impacts rather than how to get help and how I've improved. But I do really hope that this could maybe have been beneficial to just give you some insight in why it's so dangerous to be lean and be so obsessed with being skinny and the dangers of that for your body and health and also just be inspiring on how much better life could be getting better. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up now. Gaining weight is going to be beautiful because so many great things are going to come out of that. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of mental work and developing a beautiful and new relationship with your body where you love your body and honor it. You know, when it's hungry, feed it and be so grateful for what your body can do for you rather than how it looks and be so grateful for this beautiful life. Really, truly appreciate being in the moment and enjoying it and being as healthy and vibrant as we can for it rather than trying to look as good as we can for it whatever that good may be but also redefining what that means redefining how we see ourselves, and you know I'm excited to develop a great relationship with myself and you know enjoying life enjoying food and getting something out of training training should be fun at the end of the day why even do sport if it's not you know with passion and enjoyment because the whole point of everything you do in life at the end of the day is to be happy and to have fun and to just enjoy it because that's all we have in life like you die at the end of the day but the whole point is that while you're here you're alive you're happy you live life you're in the moment you love and have fun and have make so many memories and make great friends so I know it's so much easier said than done but it's all about chipping away at those negative thoughts I'll have to make some podcasts on the little things that I do myself to chip away at those thoughts but for now um, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast I do want to leave with one little thing to think about I'm going to ask you a question I have definitely talked about this in many videos before but ask yourself at the end of the day when you're 85 years old when you're a little old wrinkly man or lady, you're at the end of your life or maybe maybe you've got 25 years on you still. You know, you never know. When you are an old lady or man, hopefully there's some males listening as well, what's going to matter more? 
you know, the memories that you made through your life, all the good times that you had, you know, the full and beautiful life you lived or how you looked, how lean you were and how skinny you were. Do you think that's going to matter to you at all when you're 85? In seven generations to come, your photos will probably be like no one's going to see them anyway. They're just for you to have now for memories. But all I'm trying to say is they don't matter. What matters more is your happiness and your health. So in my first podcast, I did say I wanted to finish each episode with a quote. And again, like the first podcast, I haven't come pre-prepared. So I'm going to make it up on the spot. This has probably been said before, but life is too short. Life's too short to be counting calories, to be weighing out your cereal it should be enjoyed and lived and you know eat that burrito and enjoy every bite of that guac and listen to your goddamn body honor your body because it is the vessel that you get to live this beautiful life in so thank you guys so much for listening to the second podcast i really hope that this was positive for you and please let me know the podcast you would like to hear from now on um so i did make an instagram for the podcast it's at emmy's insight please leave any reviews it's really helpful supporting my channel but also i really appreciate the feedback and yeah so the podcast can be accessed on spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, and soundcloud thank you so much for listening bye